We are not heroes, nor are we villains. Neither kings nor magicians, but we can tell you their stories. We are the Lore Keepers, and we welcome you to Halloween. Welcome to Haume. You are listening to Lore Keepers, a lore-building podcast where we talk about aeons of history, heroes and villains, and the forces that whirl about it all. I'm Carter. And I'm Frank. Whether you're interested in stories, looking for inspiration in your own world-building, or perhaps you want to participate, we've got something for you. This week, we're talking about the Primordium. But first, Frank, how are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a busy week. I've been uh, getting ready for the for the long weekend away, trying to get my affairs in order. Roommate and I have recently started a new process of basically perpetually keeping our apartment clean. Um, but aside from that, I don't know. It's just been kind of warm here. Lazy last days of summer. Yeah, feeling. I get that. It's like ninety two degrees every day. Sucks. Yeah, ninety two. Yeah, totally. And also uh, humid for sure. Yeah, we, we get that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't like I, I wore a long, a long sleeve linen shirt and linen pants and I'm just like fucking like immediately sweating. I step out the door and I'm like, this is unnatural. Were you getting baptized? Why did you have that on? Linen? Because I because I like to dress nice to present a good self image to myself, to my oh. peers. OK, you care about your yourself i see how it also is. i was giving a presentation oh nice yeah well i suppose i can excuse you for that but only if you tell me what you uh what you've been up to and how you're doing uh i'm doing fairly well you know french is stressful as usual gotta do that old language thing just the french people in general oh the language yeah that the, makes the more langue. sense yeah french wine uh, french philosophy it's good it's treating me well what'd you say about french what oh nothing all right. Nothing important. Um, yeah. Hey, a little side note before we get into the dank nugs today. Um, I wanted to just thank the community for their submissions, for their uh, response and discussion. Um, we've been we've been dropping posts on r slash world building on Reddit, and there has been some really cool responses. We we sent something out about arcane engines and how they would work uh, when after after talking about the cyberpunk episode. And got some really interesting ideas, uh, you know, some very inspiring stuff that we might talk about in the near future. Um, and uh, in general, um, you know, just kind of trying to figure out a, a system because we uh, we wanna we wanna ask the community about your ideas and then post them on the episode. Uh, we're just kind of figuring out a structure for how to do that. Yeah, thanks for thanks for your responses. Uh, look forward to those uh, to those Reddit posts every week and uh, join the discussion. We always try to follow up an episode with a little bit of um, some sort of seed. A seed. You gotta sow your seed, Frank. Jesus, Carter. Seed. You're the one who fucking did it. You did. You fucking. You did it. You should have just said nugget. Seed. 
Yes, you said see. Have you ever heard the term seed a conversation? Not everything is sexual. Seed a conversation. What about seed in a field? Seeds like so you sow a field. You don't seed a field. Jesus yeah, Christ, you, what do you sow a field with? Um, burlap. There you go. Okay. All right. All right. Also, Carter is everything uh, doing is a little sexual, after hours like, himself this time. Everything is sexual, by the way, because humans are very sexual beings. This is a this is a deep philosophy. You can look forward to a thesis on this uh, as a grad paper from our own Mr. Carter. I'm literally literally taking a class that is entitled Plato's Erotic Dialogues. Wait, are you serious? Yes. So this is coming from somewhere. You're not just making this. Oh, sorry. I said the word coming. I'm sure now uh, (laughs) now you've gotten very distracted again. Yes. But yeah, it's um, it, it kind of focuses on around Plato's talk of eros, which is Greek for love. It covers all of the kind of ways we think about love. And uh, the three dialogues that we're going to cover are the Symposium, the Phaedrus, and the Republic, which is my favorite Platonic dialogue. Yeah, don't know what any of that meant. I the f- word Phaedrus sounds. Wait a minute, is Phaedrus the thing we talked about last week with the three, no, Phaedrus is a guy. three sisters? Phaedrus oh, that's not that's not like fate. Oh, that's destiny. the that's not no. Okay, that's those different. are the those are the fates. Well, I mean, that's what they're called in general. But they have like a fancier the mo- uh, morai, morai, like, morai. Yeah, I didn't even get close. Yeah, um, no, Phaedrus is this like super eager guy that loves reading speeches about love. That's got this huge heart on for Socrates. Yeah, no idea what that's about. Read the Phaedrus; they're super flirty. Oh, okay. Well, uh, do you, if you got any recommended reading for the uh, for the dear listener. Um, everyone should read the Republic, Plato's Republic. Oh, this is just uh, within the Republic? Once a year. Wow. No, no, no. The Phaedrus is another dialogue. It's, it's, it's fine. There's no, I have no problem with it, but the Republic is better. The Republic is also much longer. Hmm. Okay. Dank nugs. Any case, yeah. Uh, you go first this time. I did, I think I went first last time, but okay, I will. Um, I was thinking, hashtag shower thought, because of course... Sure. Then we've already had shower thoughts about wizards. Everyone, that was a bad thought. Everyone, <laughs> all old shit has a bunch of fucking names, right? Sure. So, Halloween should not be any different. Therefore, I think each Avum should have more names than just Avum Prima and Avum Segundus or whatever we call them. Therefore, I've got some, prim- I got some names for you. you ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first a- a- Avum Prima, mm-hmm. right? Should, I, I'm thinking something like, like Avum Mythos, or like the mythical Avum, right? Or we could go with the, the kind of golden thing we've been doing. Okay, yeah. And then... You got some others? I mean, obviously we can just go with like, the Ash Curse is kind of shorthand for Avum, for the second Avum as well. Uh, not, not exactly. Remember I that in, not in, in that in Halome, um in between each age, there's typically the transition years are not an instantaneous end of one timeline and another, it's typically a series of events that happens over Yes, yes, and the transition the between Prima... like 100 and something years. Yes. It's called the Ash Curse, but I think a lot of people just kind of lump the Second Age with the Ash Curse. Well, I, think I think a lot of people, you mean you. I think common folk <laughs> that aren't properly educated like the scholars will do that. Okay. Right? Sure. I mean, that's yeah, obviously... Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a totally our dark reasonable ages. thing to say. Yes, that's all jokes aside. Ages. Yeah, yeah. So that can be the Avum, you know, Umbra, or if you're going to go Latin. Mm-hmm. Or like basically age of the darkness. Dark age. Yeah, Age of Darkness, Age of, right, Curses, 
Maybe Whatever Age of say. Light. I don't know. Because it, it be. wasn't a... Shadows were sharper and darker back then, but they there was actually... I mean, the kind of the number one marked thing was the fact that the sun was unyielding every day. It's true, but people weren't really out in the sun, right? People true. Jeeps. I suppose I suppose that's true. People, a fair amount of uh, you know peoples were definitely trying to hide away. So I mean, that's an idea. You know, this is all provincial. We'll implement better ones, but you know, this is just to get us thinking. The third age, right? Avum Tertius. I'm thinking this is our like you know our this is our age of heroes. This is the greatest time. Besides Avon Prima, for the mythical times when the gods roamed around with them. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, right, you know, we make up some fancy word that kind of sounds like hero, but isn't exactly hero, like, you <laughs> know, Hierokos or something like this. Well, and so, so Carter, uh, you actually are kind of touching on something. It's so funny because I was actually thinking about this this morning, was that I... In the shower? No. Uh, it was after a shower. It was a post-shower thought. I was thinking about the fact that our approach to Halime and the creation of Halime, one of the things that I had in mind was the value of creating all these different eras to capture the different senses of fantasy that exist, right? Like, so, you know, you get Conan the Barbarian and Avum Secunda, you get Avum Prima, you get Atlantis. In, you know, Avum Tertius, you have, like, Age of Heroes, like you're saying, like, mythic you know, super powered, you know, almost anime level, you know, like, you know, people with, with uh, absurd abilities and things that, uh, you know, get tales told of them. Um, and Avum Cordis, you get Cold War slash World War One analog. Slash Fall of Rome. Yeah, slash Fall of Rome. So there's sort of a few different things, but it's all about conflicts and wars. Avum, you know, Quintus is all uh, all about commerce and the modernization and how does magic work with that and uh one of the things that i actually was thinking about bringing to the table i guess i'm going to have to pivot though uh for our my dank nug was the fact that like we i i haven't really been thinking about the like how do you talk you know talking differently the naming should be different the style the feel the you know one should be gritty the other should be sort of mythical and unreal another should be sort of almost like a haunting there's there's different approaches to each one and i i don't know drawing the lines between those two or all those different ages i feel like would would really help them be fleshed out and become their own thing yes so i i like the idea of coming up with these these names yeah Yeah. so uh, if you allow me to finish i've got a couple more things to say okay yeah you came up with names for all these huh uh yes i'm actually kind of like on the spot coming up for a few of them okay because, you know, I had that's some what, low. Hey, that's what podcast. we do. That's what we do. Exactly. Um, Avon Cortis, totally like the age of Imperium, right? Okay. Because it's, right, these, this giant empire almost yeah. spans the entire world. Right, true. The, uh, is, that's not the Eldium Imperio. That's, the Eldian Imperio was the thing. His Rekvar's uh, regurgitation, or his re- revival. Oh, wait, no, then that, yeah, that would have been Avon Cortis. What am I thinking of that was during Avum Secutus? Uh, the Shrouded Empire is a different... The Shrouded Empire was Cortis. No, the Shrouded Empire was Avum Secunda. It was Secunda. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it yeah, it's vampires, you know. You're right, you're right. Uh, Imperio was sort of like the Second Reich, you know. It was the attempt to bring back and unite elves under, a, like, a new banner, bring back the Empire of That's old. not the, 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 the later Reichs. What? I'm basically, I'm saying I'm glad that Rakvar is not Hitler. 
is what I'm well, saying. Well, I mean, he's. Uh, I'm just saying it's the second time they try to do this. I'm. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's. It's not. <laughs> yes, I don't think that there's Holocaust level shit that Rackvar gave it came up to, but like. He's at sure. best I hope a we never conflicted character, kind of and at worst, oh. a pretty pretty dark uh, creature. He's a dark. He's a he's a antihero. Come on. Well, I don't know if we've ever built him out to be an antihero. I feel like he is an antihero. We'll have to flesh him out head more cannon. before. Hey, ah, I, I, I all am... right, all right. Your head cannon. Your yes. your dude. Your head cannon. Exactly. My head cannon is cannon. God Maybe damn. we should bring that next time. Hell, we could do a whole episode about Rackfar, perhaps. Oh, we is this is is the fabled Rackfar episode? I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't know. Maybe you got to get yourself ready for next time. All right, but in any case, right? Gosh, I don't know what that. What what is the defining characteristic then? I'll throw it in your court for the fourth age, even like Quintus. Uh, conflict. Quartus. It's all okay. about destruction of empires and conflict. Uh, the world is not as bright as it once was, and this is not the time of gods anymore. This is the time of man, or the knowing, and Maybe the knowing like, um, don't know how to rule their own world. They're really, they're, they're, there's just tons of strife. Maybe it's like Avon Ferris, then, like the Iron Oh, age. yeah. Yeah, I like Steel, that. maybe. Yeah, something sounding, ooh, that's good, the Age of Iron. That's so and good. And then I'm thinking Avon Quintus is like the Age of the Scale. Age of the Scale, yeah, dude. Hell yeah, commerce, come on, that's what I'm talking about. You're nailing these. And lastly, just to add a little touch, that little, that little artistic kiss okay to the avums yeah what do you <laughs> i imagine that right what do you got anthony Bourdain? we call avum prima the golden hour right yeah and i the way i see it is that to be a person in the golden hour is for everything to be right shining beautiful amazing everything is as gold right gold does not dull mm -hmm. it doesn't need polishing mm -hmm. to some extent Sure, yeah. Right. And then, so the, everything there is vibrant, beautiful. It, you know, everything is incredible. Then we go to the Second Age. You know, everything is kind of sapped of color, right? So we go from the most vibrant to the most, like, just boring of colors. Okay, Everything's yeah. darker. Everything's yeah, yeah, yeah. bland, you know, right? We have this kind of feeling of ennui, as the French would say. Mm-hmm. All right, then we go into Tertius, where everything, in contrast to the previous age, right, things pop again. The the grass has that vibrant shade of green again, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Where are you going but with this? Any gotta, who we, we would should, see. We got to wrap up like uh, like Dank Nugs. It's already 15 minutes I'm wrapping in. it up. I'm wrapping it up. Anyone who would see, who had seen the Golden Hour would see this as a pale imitation. But sure. right, it's so much more than what, it, what the previous one was. Yeah. Basically, for parched I'm, throats. Yeah. I'll cut it short then. Basically, what I'm saying is that seeing each Avum as being, right, visually so incredibly different, I think, for me, helps, right, divide them. As someone who can, who, right, has an eye through all Avums, right, because most people see one. Mm -hmm. And so I think that imagining it in this, like, visually very strong way is very, very interesting to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I and I even was just thinking. Here's one, you know, here's one implementation. A lot of the things you're talking about, materials, could align them with a dwarven way of thinking. The first age is the age of gold. Second age, age of stone, because there is no gold, there's no metal to be found. It is a life of hardship and dust. 
the th- or the third age is the age of crystal because it is it is beyond you know the normal it is super normal fourth age is age of iron fifth age age of brown bronze because of course the dwarves would be proud of the bronze hills for bringing about you know the fifth age or as they see it the co- commercialization of the fifth age yeah so they go maybe even each culture has its own kind of schema for understanding the different avums yeah i'm sure that the, the, there's a lot we we definitely want to flesh this one out for sure so boom there you go I'm sorry for overtaking your nug. No, no, it's fine. Um, honestly, I didn't really have anything that significant uh, anyways. I, 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 th- there was a couple of things bouncing through my head, but, but when you started talking about this stuff, it was just, it, it was just better than anything I had to bring up. Oh, maybe you should take more showers. I suppose, I suppose so. Frank. Yeah. We're talking about the Primordium. Yeah. The yeah, we're that? jumping into it, aren't we? Is it like um, where, you know... That Prima guy hangs out, Lord Prima. Who's what? Nope. I don't know. Nope. Nev, no, no idea what that is. No. All right, all right. You want me to break down the Primordium for uh, you and the good folks? I mean, I can say a little bit, and then you can be like, "No, Carter, you're wrong. It's this." Why don't we start out with that? I was like correcting you. Uh, I mean, and I like being corrected. <laughs> it gets me off. All right. So before. In the beginning, there was the one... No, okay, I'll, I'll skip for a little bit. <laughs> Before we had Sadar and other planets like it, there was just kind of a mess of a bunch of stuff, right? We got the kind of... Um, other places called the Primordial Chaos, we called the Primordium. But the interesting thing about the Primordium, right, it's a mess of a bunch of elements, or stone, water, whatever you want to say, air. Right. The interesting thing about it is that it's still around, right? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of it's gone because it was used to make other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still there. And Frank, where exactly is it on our plan on our plan planarscape map cosmology? Ah, see now you've walked right in my trap. So viewer, <laughs> now nah, there are no viewers. I am not a viewer of this podcast. Listener. Uh so so pr- prior to recording, Carter and I had talked about what we wanted to, to to bring up, and I had had in my mind I wanted to talk about the primordium. And this is kind of the exact reason why. So what Carter's talking about is the fact that at the very beginning, before the creation of yeah, before the materium, before there was time, uh, there was just the Ethereum, the heavens, the place where Own, the creator god, resided with all the lesser gods that they created, the um, the the regents who rule each of the nine animus and the nine flow, and that was pretty much it. So all things that were that were extant, that were in being, were spiritual by nature. Then Own was like, "Let's do something else. Let's try something else." They create the uh, the primordium. So this is a plane of pure material nature. It is just the physical and it was, uh, let's, we'll put a pin in this for the moment, but for the moment, we'll say it's the four elements, right? Earth, air, water, fire, as you would find in plenty of other world building situations. So then from there, uh, the, the idea is that the materium itself was created as sort of a conclusion between those two realms. So fusing the physical and the spiritual to create the land of the materium, which, which is where creatures with both souls and bodies exist. And this is a little side note. If you want to go back and check out some of our earlier episodes, this is also the, uh, the thing that um, brings about the ash curse because the 
nameless one, was so jealous of the idea, first of all, thinking that Owen had abandoned them by creating a material realm in the first place, and then creating abominations by bringing the spirit and the physical together, thought, this cannot be, I must stop it. And so they tried to destroy it, like, quote-unquote, for, you know, for the good of all within the Ethereum, and, you know, cursed the material realm. So, in summation, the Primordium really does exist. It exists on a different plane, though. It's it's a place that is still around. It's just not in like the 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 same place that you'd find, you know, the things of the beginning of uh yeah, of 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 the well, materium. Let's paint a little picture, right? Yeah. So imagine right, like the the image of the podcast, right? That crazy looking thing that that this year board made with tools, right? Mhm. Mhm. At the top bit We've got, what do we have? Well, so yeah, the top bit, uh, oh my gosh, we've never really talked about this. This is the cosmological picture of Halime. This is the thing that gathers and reflects, uh, honestly, it is a it is a reductive image because it really just represents the benevolent and malevolent. You've got the Ethereum up top with the nine divine spheres. Below, you have the seven thorns of chaos in the absentium. Or I guess just this, yeah, or just the seven thorns of the hells or something, because I guess not all of them are chaotic. But yeah, and then you've got Siddhar in the middle, sort of caught in between in a realm of both light and dark. And far and above, you have that sort of weak, shadowy light that is supposed to represent Own, who looks down on all of creation. Yeah, the thing is, is that, that within that picture, there's no image of where Illuvium is, where Arconis is, where the Primordium is. Hell, we also have Locus and Tontus, Somnus. There are several other planes that are not revealed in this image. I mean, Locus is basically like, you know, it's an overlay on... We're not talking about Locus. It's the, it's the plane that touch, touches all other planes. It is the Borderlands plane, yeah. Oh, it's the Astral Sea? Yeah, yeah, well, the so... Mm, <laughs> the Astral Sea, I suppose you could call that, but the thing is, is that becomes a little confusing when we talk about the Arcane Sea, because the Arcane Sea is basically the interplanetary medium, you know, space. And so when people talk about the Arcane Sea, what they really mean is, is you know, beyond the firmament where the sky grows dark. Uh, when people talk about, you know, I, I, you know, so I suppose people could use the term Arcane Sea, but that might make it a little more complicated. So it's not that. It's no. different. No. And it, it definitely has to do with the... Its analog would be the ast- astral plane uh, in D&D, but it operates somewhat differently than that. Okay, but let's get back to the Primordium. Right. If you were to add the Primordium to the picture, where would you put it? This is something that I've thought about many times. It's something that I've thought about in drawing diagram after diagram of trying to understand how to do this, and I think without three-dimensional sketching, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. I think that... By reducing the picture into much more simplistic imagery, I think I could capture it, but it lies at a Z axis to all this stuff. So in the same, you know, if, if X and Y are the breadth and the, of, of the, the Ethereum and Absentium, uh, and their, their difference between the above and the below, then the Primordium would be coming out towards us in the image, oh. you know, out of the page. I always thought about it as, Kind of like, imagine Sidar is in the middle, 
mm-hmm. and then you got the two kind of spiritual planes, top and bottom. Mm-hmm. Then you have Orconus to the left and Illusion to the right of Sidar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I always imagined that like the Primordium kind of is like an elliptical around Sidar, uh, Orconus, and mm-hmm. Illuvium, separating the spiritual from the physical. Yeah. See, I don't see that, and I think here's the reason why. Because it's just entirely other. There is no good or evil in the Primordium. Creatures just behave according to their own compass. It is like an animal. Could you look at, I suppose, some of the behavior that you see in a predator or prey could be seen as good or evil, but they are simply doing what they're designed to do. In the same way, the things that exist within the Primordium which I, we haven't even talked about yet, but things that are of elemental Elementals. nature. Yeah. Uh, yeah, things that possess what's called an anima, which is sort of an animating spirit. Whoa. They don't... There's other things that have anima. Good, good point, because it's not, an, an, it's not a spirit, but it is an animating nature that gives them um, an awareness and sort of almost... It's, it's almost more like akin to a series of commands that you give a computer, a program. I would say... If forgive me for going a little bit uh, Asian here, okay, that's not a bit racist, but it's fine. Uh, key. Do you mean it's life energy? Is chi different than key? Uh, that's the difference between Chinese and Japanese. Oh, key is okay. Japanese. Chi is, Je- is Chinese. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes. It is. It is the animistic, like it is the energy of life. Yes. It is the energy of life infused into things. And so here's here's actually where I think the conversation is it's great to begin it because I have spent in all of the world building that I did I basically threw the primordium in there as an aside. It initially started as just saying, "Oh, I'm just going to rename the thing that D&D has already created." But in the coming years since I first started creating the world of Halame, I have kind of just left it in the dust and haven't really considered it mostly because I think for campaigns and things, it was hard for me to imagine using it to narrative strength because it's hard for me to connect with that or conceptualize it, especially in the way that I've made it where it's, it's, are there, you know, for instance, are there cities in the Primordium? Probably. What are they like? If a creature doesn't have a soul and they just kind of do as they're quote unquote programmed, let's say the programming is an extremely complicated level. You could argue that our brains are just nothing but chemical programming then, you know, do they operate distinct or indistinct? And if not, are you just throwing some elemental flavor on an otherwise just uninteresting city? Because I don't think that that's enough. I don't think that gives it that natural keystroke that makes Helme different from other worlds. Frank, we know that some things with anima do exhibit some sort of reasoning. They just have the anima, like the drow. That's a good point. Uh, things of the the Riven, creatures like orcs, drow, duragar, uh, goblins, they all do not, they do not have souls, they have anima. And it's actually as a result of pacts that they made uh, with, with beings, which I suppose, honestly, that those pacts could have actually been with a djinn or something. They didn't necessarily have to be, you know, demons or devils. But I mean, come on, they're drow. Yeah. I mean, they are pretty monstrous creatures. They are... <laughs> pretty horrible yeah their their souls are like stolen from you know but uh, who knows what they're like lemurs well that's the thing they don't even have souls they literally yeah. are soulless yeah and i mean they but they got some sort of soul thing right to give them reason that's the anima so the anima does give reason i suppose that's a good point i suppose it does i think i think it is 
Because it, what's funny is, is that I have actually needed to focus on the Duragar, the Dark Dwarves, which, oh, by the way, when we say drow, for those who aren't familiar with D&D uh, terminology, drow are the Dark Elves. So you've got Dark Elves, Dark, uh, dark Dwarves, you've got a couple other sort of dark versions of races, but they all exist within the the subterranean spaces of Halume. Far yeah, you beneath, don't want to go down there. Yeah, far beneath the surface, it's a place where magic doesn't reach. And so as a result, uh, creatures without a soul or without a soul find it almost, hmm, I don't know if appealing, uh, it, it at least appeases their senses. Whereas Less a creature, irritating. Yes, whereas a creature with a soul will feel it start to drain away from their body and they might eventually go insane or just consumed. Unless they're wearing a special hazmat suit. Yeah, basically if you go down there, you need to have some sort of lifeline to the surface or you start to go crazy. So, okay, so... This is no, but this is a good point because when we source it back to the primordium, those creatures clearly had some sort of programming. Uh, so, I mean, I guess that just means that their their place is, yeah, they also have cities. Uh, well, I mean, think of it like this, right? You have the kind of mindless animated creatures like, right? Just big rock monsters, earth, water elementals. Yeah. Those guys. But then you have the, the djinn, the, what other ones are there? I always forget their names. The djinn are the air um, genies. I th- then you got the fire genies. Well, I think djinn is a word that can be described for any of them, right? I mean, I, they specifically used to refer to the air ones. Okay. D-J-I-N-N. I mean, is that in, uh, in, that's in the common game. culture? Oh, oh, that's in the... Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know about common culture. Don't quote me on culture. Yeah, I don't know I that. I just know the monster manual or, you know... Sure. Volos or whichever one it was. But in any case... Yeah, um... Guys gonna bug me. But in any case. Uh so these these creatures, right, are very powerful. They possess yeah. magic. Yes. What's up with them? I mean, they would make cities if anyone would. True. Uh I think well, and let's explore the space. Uh, is is basically what I'm thinking is here's here's a pitch. Maybe they're more driven by one one nature. They instead of I mean, first of all, I don't they don't have any associations with the nine flow which for the new listener is just uh, that is where magic is sourced from, but it specifically manifests as sort of emotive affectations. So a person who has a certain ideal, you know, wisdom or creativity, whatnot. Uh, so they don't have anything to do with the abstracts or the nine flow. So I think what drives them is more rudimentary, more primal than that. Uh, eating, sleeping, power, safety, protection, you know, I, I think that would structure, you know, it, are there family units? And if so, do they do they operate differently as a result then? That puts us in a difficult position, though. Do we want to say that all these people are kind of driven by these, like, very base impulses and don't have the, you know, the reason and the, you know, nice stuff, the moral stuff that comes with having a soul? I would say so. I mean, I think the thing is, is like, that's the whole point is that they're not good, but neither are they evil because they simply have no morality. Uh, they are they are no more sinful than a hungry dog or a uh, terrified hedgehog. Like, that's not, you know, you can't apply that sense of morality to a creature that is simply doing what it was made to do. Okay, so in, in the world of Halome, then, in the universe of Halome, mm-hmm. are genies are all true neutral? Or lawful mm-hmm. neutral? Or chaotic neutral? It is, it's... Good point of clarification. I would say it is not that they are without... I will say this. No, I do not think that they are true neutral. I think that 
their alignments, if we're going by sort of the alignment acrostic, they might be anywhere on that, but they might be anywhere on that differently depending on who you'd ask. Because that stuff is really, it's not just, it is not only applicable to creatures with a soul, but only creatures with a soul actually look at that and make any meaning of it. Okay. So, you know, you can look at, you know, the forces of a giant sinister being far beyond your conceptions and say this is an evil creature, but for them, they might just be doing something because they're focused on fulfilling their own desires. I see. You know, it's a, it's the, it's that shitty quote from Anakin, you know, in my perspective, all the Jedi are evil. Let's not bring prequel memes into this. Um, so I think what I was, but no, but this is a good, like, cause that's the thing is, is if you commit to that, it's a, it's a pretty big statement, but I feel like I, I want to start making more hard pushes with the way that not everything needs to be in perfect balance. And, uh, I want to say that. I mean, because you could always argue perhaps things were a certain way at one time, but I even envision that this is sort of like the black box testing grounds that Owen is trying out the first idea of impulse or or driven nature. You know, something as a as a fixation beyond an ideal, a thing that okay. says I am defined by accomplishing X or becoming X or being known as, you know, Z, that there is something that defines the creatures that own is desiring to make but it's not just you know the abstracts it's 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 completely cut loose from that and as a result there's almost no two you know primal beings that are of the same type but their passions are consuming i think this or or maybe that's a question mark are their passions consuming are their passions consuming themselves like uh like all consuming like they are fixated on it to the exclusion of all other things if they seek out you know, let's put it in, let's put it kind of this way. In metaphysical terms, are they all id? Well, I mean, that would be psychological terms. Uh, you're right. In psychological terms. Um, I think that would make for kind of boring characters. So I want to say no. True. And so here's, here's kind of the thing. Maybe this is my pitch. You can get away with boring characters as long as something about that environment is engaging. Yes. You know, you don't watch every TV show because it's got great, great character drama. There are certainly shows where you do that, but some of them are just for the ideas or the action or the, you know, so the draw for the Primordium would be different than that. Yeah, but I've got a burning question. Go for it. So I actually have a lot, but I'm going to start with I know, the there's, I mean, that's the thing is this, this is pretty un, unpolished. This is the hardest, the hardest thing I've got. You ready? Sure. Our genie's magical. Mmm. Okay. Interesting. Because if they are, they need either some connection to the nine flow right. or some way to get magic somewhere else. And I can throw your lifeline for that one if you need one. Because I've got an idea. I'll, I'll tell you this, be... and then I want to hear your idea. Go for it. The drow are obsessed with magic. The Duragar forbid it in their societies. They say it is a sign of the, uh, the betrayers, the liars, the deceivers from above. And there's actually many Riven cultures who fear it. But the drow are fanatics. They are obsessed with it. They can create, they have figured out ways to create and cast magic by burning enema. And anima. Wow. (laughs) By burning anima. Basically, what they'll do is they'll sacrifice a creature, typically a living creature, and use up its life force, its chi or ki, you know, its anima, in the process being able to store that or use it as a magic spell. So they're really into ritual sacrifice. All right. But I think this is, oh, 
Well, you know, let's hear, let's hear what you have to say. Okay. You remember how I mentioned before that before there was the nine flow, we just had own and mm-hmm. own, right? Own's unfiltered power is kind of like white light and the nine flow is like... The prism, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's splitting it. What if it's such that these anima beings of the... Uh, these, you know, super anima beings of the um, primordium, mm-hmm. the genies have some connection to own and that they can get this like unfiltered magic. And that's why they're like crazy magical. Yeah. This is actually one of the things I was thinking about is that if there are primal Lords, creatures of Supreme power who are analogs to the regions, that would make sense that own is starts sort of from central, you know, figures and, and yeah, sends, sends power outwards and downwards from there, like a, a cascading fountain. I could see that there are creatures with a pinnacle that are close to the source of own. Hmm. I would be interested to have like very few of these like genies and they're all like quite powerful and very like interesting because they have this like straight connection to own. Okay. Now this, this is starting to border on other territory and I wanted to talk about this. How many primal elements are there? There do not have to be only four. There might only be two. Well, we gotta have the primal element of slime, of course. <laughs> right, slime, uh, cake. Um, what are what are the four that there's there's four in Adventure Time? They do. Is it slime, ice, cake, or no candy? And I don't remember what the fourth one is. I am unaware, though. You know, the Adventure Time has ended. Uh, yeah, I actually watched the season fin- a series finale. It's, it was I really, have... it was kind of, it was very sweet. I have not seen much of Adventure Time. It's a, I don't know. I, I think it's for trip. better, for worse, I think it's a very worthy show. All right, so back on track. What do you want? Because I quite like the traditional ones, but mm-hmm. I am totally good with having more because more is more fun. Well, so I so this was one of those things that I thought about a while ago of, you know, if we're talking about the Primordium, what are the things that make up reality and specifically physical reality? Now, if we're taking a non-Platonic or, you know, uh, Greek. Greek Greek approach, it's not just air, earth, water, fire. Uh, the, I believe the... I think some this, Asian the, Yeah, one, there's an Asian culture that wood, incorporates metal and, like and wood. Or, yeah. yeah, I think it's air, fire, wood, m- metal, and spirit, I think are the, the five. Uh, but well, if we're going to do like a spirit thing, like we can't really do a spirit thing. Cause no, no, and I don't think we're going to. Um, I was just using that as an cool, example. Though. So here's what I was thinking. Here's a here's a few other ones that could be potential uh, of a very different nature: light, heat, order, form, body, mind, and time. Hmm. Time, I like it because it's trippy. Mind feels too much like soul to me. Yeah. Also sounds too much like Infinity Stones at that point. It does, it does. Um, what was the one before mind? Uh, body. Could there be, like, a font of anima? Hmm. No, you know what? I'm gonna say no. I think, okay. I think anima manifests differently, but I do like the idea of having an analog. But in, what, like, for instance, what if this? Let's say we were to lay out the primordium as an infinite plane that extends in all directions. Maybe the anima is something that's almost like a lattice work that's built right into the surface. Perhaps. This is me just throwing out an idea. Okay. Honestly, I don't love it, and I don't think we're going to go with it. But 
that's like an example of what we could do. I think there are different ways of treating it, though, like something you can draw from. So here's a question that's kind of tangential. It's a pretty it's a pretty small one, mm-hmm. though it might have a big impact if I were to go there uh, to the Primordium, which is, is it ordered? Right. Is there like, okay, this is the water place, this is the time place, this is the... <laughs> This is another thing I wanted to talk about. Is it is it subdivided into four planes that you can visit by saying, I want a planar shift to specifically this one or this one or this one? Or is it just all locations within a medium? And I think... The I like one, the medium bit. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of like the idea that we could say this, maybe once upon a time there were borders between these uh, places, but they've all collapsed. And so you have forces, and maybe that's where some of the... Um, the secondary and tertiary elemental natures come from. You can have a prince of steam or, you know, uh, the lady of, I don't know. I mean, ice. Ice or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there's That's cold and water, right? Yeah, there's all sorts of different ways that you can take it. And I think part of it, so, so just to go back to the elements for a second, my context for why I created light, heat, order, and form as, as potential elementals was because each one of those, depending on how much or how little you have in a system, changes the nature of it. For instance, you know, when I say low heat, low order, high form, low light, what does that what does that make you think of? Okay. Low heat, low order, low light, high form. Yeah. Or maybe just take two of those. Let's just mix two for now. Low heat, okay. low order. That's pretty, uh, I don't know, would that be water? Or like, you know, maybe high heat. high heat, low order would be gas. High heat, high order would be like maybe If I see high heat, order, I think like a star. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, a good point. You know, Especially in this place, we're taking it to their maximal extremes. But yeah. I don't know. So, you know, there's not to say that every single one of those needs to have a combination like the, you know, Magic the Gathering color pie or anything like that. But just that those are, if we're talking, because the thing is, is, man, this this episode is requiring a lot of like stepping back and kind of observing things and questioning the way that we approach this stuff. So, for instance, elements. When we talk about elements, like, for instance, you think about the periodic table of elements, it's always the building I, blocks I of the world, of right? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, what are the building blocks of Halime? Are they just air, earth, water, fire? Okay, fine. If we do that, then we do that. But I just think that there might be something more interesting that catches the personality and nature of, of Halime better. Not that those can't exist, but that there's maybe a second axis or there's this one thing that modifies them all or something. Ooh, ooh, mm, damn it. I had a cool idea, but I'm like, it's already taken. What, well, go, go for it. Just drop it. Avoid. Okay. Like light and void. Kind of avoid. The howling abyss. That's true. The howling void does exist. Yeah. The howling void. I apologize. It's already a void. You could say though that uh you know the void is the absence of form. Maybe the maybe the the howling void is known as such because it is the antithesis to the primordium. It has no light, no heat, no order, and no form. Everything is formless, cold. Uh, chaotic and you know and dark can we if 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 we go with form can we rename it to order because hmm? form triggers me platonically oh well we have well we already have order though that's the thing order v chaos form v formless yeah basically like how much does the thing exist or not so 
is it ethereal on some level? Like ghosts would have low form but high order. That's goofy, I know. That's real goofy, man. Yeah. Well, and that's why I'm saying we don't have to use these four. Uh, I, form, I feel like substance would be better if you're going to go that route. Here's a totally different way of approaching it, but I'm just throwing curveballs at this point just to see if there's yep. anything that upsets the apple cart. What Five about apples? Oh, I, yeah, I don't know. What about chaos, shame, like chaos. trickery, shame, hope, love, things like that? It's bizarre. Like I said, total curveball. No, I'm not a fan. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. Hmm. Because shame has to do with honor and fucking love is... Wait, love is a drug. <laughs> I have, I've heard it said that love indeed is a drug. I've, said, I've heard it see, said that it is indeed the drug. Yep. Fucking, if you haven't mm-hmm. taken a good, healthy, unhealthy dose of love, you've never lived. That's what I say. Okay, well, let's shoot, take, up, shoot up now, kids. Let's take a step back here. So let's go back to the whole idea of building blocks. You've got, we've got Halame. What's what is key about Halame? Obviously, there's magic, right? And there's a created world. There are worlds well, yeah, beyond. We're talking the world. about the physical stuff. Yeah. Well, and so that's the thing. What makes the physical interesting at all? Is it just a play mat that everything else sits on top of? Because I feel like that's missing an opportunity. You're right. The thing is, right, we're trying to divide matter, right? We're trying to divide physicalness <laughs> into discrete categories. Right. Well, I mean, you, you got this, you know, for instance, you've got the states of matter. But what makes this is actually kind of I mean, this even just begs a question about fantasy world building in general. Is it, it seems oftentimes that the stage itself is all it is just simply that it's just set design and everything else that happens on it. It's focused on the characters. But one of the things about Sadar in the first place is that Sadar is supposed to be, or supposedly has some nature or form of life of its own, that the, the, that the, the world itself is supposed to be essentially stillborn, or at least that there's debate about that because it was, you know, killed, you know, the, the heart of it, the, the Erebor crystal was shattered during the Ash Curse, which if you're confused about what the hell we're talking about, go ahead and check out episode two. No, episode one. Um, this that'll make more sense if you check out episode one. So I see two moves we can keep. We can keep attempting to kind of you know fit our interests, which I you know I like some of the ideas you're throwing out, like order I quite like mm-hmm. um, into discrete categories to figure out if we can write come up with an interesting yet new conception of this, or we might go throw a curveball here and just be like, listen, this is the primordium. There are a lot of elemental stuff out there. There's so much that there is no categorization of all of it. Hmm. Because you'd be like, listen, there's ice bits, there's order bits, you know, there's time bits. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And it's not equal either. I mean, I, I definitely think with the idea of dispersion, of that this, this place is a, a, a mix of all of this, that there's nothing equal about, you know, one or the other. So you said it was infinite as well. True, I did. I mean, I think it is. I think it's an infinitely uh, large, flat plane where you can kind of travel in any direction forever. And so maybe there's some known lands, and then there's some unknown lands when things just start to fall apart and get very chaotic, and you just get interesting. Maybe there's almost like the the landscape, not entirely aping the alluvium here, but like that there's sort of a shifting nature to the landscape that things, elemental natures, bubble up and out and like so you just have a mountain range that just kind of starts growing over the period a period of years oh or something 
you know, it's just like kind of crazy. in the middle of a lake, you know, and then you have like, you know, magma rivers that just break through the side of or or just like, you know, wind that, bo- you know, bores it all away into a giant crater. What if it's like crazy plate tectonics? Except the plates are elements. Yes, ex- that's kind of what I'm thinking is 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 like, yes, exactly like that. The same way that plate tectonics can be observed over long periods of time, you can measure that. And hell, even time itself could be like a plate that shifts and breaks apart and moves. And so things, time isn't consistent everywhere. Light isn't consistent everywhere. Sometimes there's just a, a bubble of light that is blown out in some place. And so like, you know, a quote unquote day lasts for several, because this is like, you know, like it's the testing grounds for everything that Owen is trying to do. So it would kind of make sense that if it was left untended, it's just sort of like an empty, you know, let's just run the elements for forever and see what happens after all that time. And they just start to whatever systems were, you know, whatever wheels began spinning countless ages ago have just been going and going and going and it's become completely an unpredictable clock i dig it okay all right so that's like i feel like that's a good place to start i mean we can always add more elements later but i do like this sort of open door policy about you know the nature of things and and that there is a a natural governance and you know and so then it would make sense that mortal souls who visit primordium would occasionally you know some would perceive it and say, ah, it breaks down into these four clear elements, earth, air, water, fire, for everything is of at least a combination of the two. You know, you have those glaciers off, you know, in this district or this area, you have this thing, you know, over here. And another would say, ah, but you see, you miss this axis of, you know, light, heat, and order, where, you know, you're, you know, you're missing that these things combined in this way make this and a lack of order produces that. And so and each person is true in a way. Yes, I think that's the I think that's how it should go. OK, especially because you mean, you can say this card. You can We've say got a card, Frank. We've got a card, Frank. We've got a card. Yes. The card says we as the creators sometimes can just be like, listen, no one really knows. Oh, yeah, yeah, like playing a card. I thought you meant like we received a card from somebody. I was like, what are you talking about? Something came in the mail? (laughs) Yes. Good thing I put my address up. So people could send me fan mail. So I think we'll we'll kind of flesh this one out more later. But I do like the idea of, I mean, you even got stuff like storms. Like, are rain clouds an element? Or is lightning an element? You know, just because not everything shows up all the time doesn't That's mean it. that it is necessarily not. Yeah, pH balance. You could literally measure shit by that. Yep. It is just the scales by which you mes- measure the physical world. Which is a lot of. I think that's a good place to start. So how how do we cap this off? Let's let's kind of round this stuff out for this evening. Where do we go from here? Do we talk about a a city? As far as let's let's talk about this elemental lord. So we brought you were talking about the jinn. Or, you know, whatever those creatures may be called. Um, Are there, does that mean that there are not a finite number of lords and maybe that they have different uh, levels of power? How do you think that works? I think, all right, by the way, I've got the, there's the, so if we want to go, the standard D&D division is Dao is a earth genie. Okay. A jinn is an air genie, mm-hmm. an efrit ah, is a fire genie. I was trying to think of that word. And a merid is a water genie. Okay, well, we'll start with those terms. That's a good place to begin. I'm okay with using those. 
I feel like they I mean, exist outside of just D and D as well. I think they're pulling. And then there's also some a few that are like Jan, which are like general genies that are like receive their power from all elements, mm-hmm. but are like weaker because of it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean you've got those dwarf looking motherfuckers whose heads are always on fire. Uh, those are I forgot their names. It doesn't matter. But those are elementals, I think. Or elemental denizens, but yeah. So you want to talk about the denizens? Well, and that's just what I'm thinking. Yeah, how does civilization work? I think people have goals, right? They probably... Are there cities? Is there just one city? I don't think there's just one city. I I think we've got some big, big players, right? The most powerful people, the gods of the elements, if you would. Yeah, yes. Right, given that. Right. And this is, I think, where a lot of the scholars agree on elements, where it's like, listen... We know these incredible, powerful beings exist, and they seem to lord over this. So mm-hmm. maybe this is the right division. Yeah, maybe it's it's kind of like, in we can quantify at least these many. We have no idea how many there truly are, especially because most people who venture out into the the sort of stranger lands where things are less stable, they rarely come back. You know, with any knowledge. No, you know what? Okay, here's here's I think maybe what it is. The there are there are four kingdoms. There are four clear kingdoms. There's probably some smaller other kingdoms, but they're ruled by elemental lords that correspond with air, earth, water, and fire. And so when most people think about it, they think about those four. But really, that's just kind of a starting point because, for all you know, there could be an empire hidden in the hills of of the you know the Lady of Time or something like that, and you just don't know because. This is the place that most likely can be controlled and held by, you know, things that you're familiar with. Yeah, but I do think there's, like, some strange little, like, children of these great beings, which is like, right, when a djinn, um, or sorry, when an efreet, like, gets, you know, gets going with a merit, right, you might get some steam. (laughs) Steam, like, yeah, 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 I mean, well, you know. They put on, you know, some Marvin Gaye. That's part of it. I mean, I think we might we might just have to have an episode where we talk all about sex, baby. Because, I mean, there's a lot that has to do with sexuality and gender and uh, and also just how reproduction works. I mean... Uh, the most sexy episode <laughs> of the podcast. The, the sexiest episode of Halloween. Lorke- of, of Lore Keepers. Like, yeah, we'll just put permanent Marvin Gaye on loop. Let's get it on. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, the thing is, is like there are, you know, here's just a random example of the Mykonid race, you know, the mushroom peoples. They don't have a word for gender in their culture because they have no conception of gender because there are over like 150,000 different genders. I mean, you know. the better question is mushroom people? Oh, Mykonids, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a thing. But yeah, Under I mean... Dark. That that especially in a world of fantasy, there is room for not just that stuff, but also the conversation about those things. Uh, that was actually one of the things I, I've always felt like, you know, if you're making a world of fantasy, first of all, like it is extremely like nature is wilder than just male and female. You know, you got all sorts of, you know, asexual and, you know, non-binary creatures that change their gender halfway through life and I wanted to make sure that the at, place that I was making, not only is that is is that like, you know, embracing of that, uh, you know, an understanding of that stuff, but also like a place where anybody could feel like they actually could, you know, t- 
tell a story yeah. or be something. Exactly. Think of it the Greek way. You know, actually, it's I never mind. Oh yeah, maybe not thinking because the, the Greek Greeks had think... very seriously divided gender roles. But yeah. they're, they're, the way they viewed sexuality, though, was like, you know, if you think they're attractive, attractive, just fucking jump their bones. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, if you That's... just take that, if you just take just take that, that you ignore know? the gender stuff, ignore the pederasty, ignore it, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a. It's, it is what it is. I think I, I'll say we'll say that for for the Greek stuff. Um, oh God, I mean, all right. I think we got to wrap this one up. But let me ask you, Carter, what among all the different things we talked about uh, it, do you think you're most curious to oh. investigate or learn more about when it comes to Super the primordial? Easy. Super easy. I want to know about the you know the four great genie lords. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of kingdoms. I like the idea of there being it. The reason why anybody can visit there is because this is the only fucking anchor point in this whole place. Like, if it's an infinite plane, there's no center. But this is the one place where they have a rough control over their own place. And so it's like you you can, you know, when other stuff tries to encroach, they actually beat it back to create yeah, think you know, about it like domains this. that are under control. On some level, obviously, I'm sure they have wars with each other and shit. But, like, these guys are, like... Maybe they're not as powerful as the regents, but they're they're not too far off. Oh, I'm sure they're like, yeah, uh, like yes, supremely powerful. Yeah, like this shit is like immortal. The stuff you I don't think. Understand. I mean, I think they're immortal not because oh, uh, there's anything in their nature to live forever, but simply because they are capable of fueling themselves by their own power and by their own nature. And oftentimes, like you know, maybe they're just literally just the source of this type of of anima. Yeah, and. You know, if what we're if what we're saying remains true, right? These guys and gals and others are right direct line to own, and the regions are right. going to have that, right? The regions are diluted to their their single flow. True, yeah. Whereas own in some way. Oh man, this is I love this. Okay, so C.S. Lewis, I'm gonna just kind of pull he, him into this because I I love his idea, this cosmology. He, he has this statement where he talks about there is a certain, certain order of power among things in the universe. And uh, by their nature, they correspond to a level of distributing a, or, or displaying a different type of the majesty of God within them. So, you know, he kind of talks about it like stars, planets. Beyond that, you know, you have like mountain ranges and things. And beyond that, you have like plants and then animals and then us right and he talks about in one direction it is less motility less uh less choice but more power so star and a planet they don't have any power of their own but they still display sort of the splendorous glory of the you know of the christian god you know whereas on the other side you've got uh spiritual beings beings you know with souls who get to get to make their own moral choices and well that you know we will never be as powerful as a star i mean maybe society will one day get there but like individuals are still born mortal or whatever animals we are not as strong as a tiger or as you know like as as you know we don't have wings or whatever but we do have the ability to choose you know in a way that they can't and i don't know i i like that approach to you know, to sort of that conceptual, because then it, it implies where I'm going with this is that the jinn or, you know, the elemental lords have that sort of same splendor and majesty of own within them, that they have this ability to 
access the immutable power of fire or air yeah, or, water I think or, or whatever it is. Along the same line, I think they're predictable in a certain way that, right, they manifest the attributes of the element, just like yes. the regions manifest the attributes of their flow. Yeah, they still have personalities. Earth is stolid and, and stubborn. You know, water is 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 fluctuating and and mercurial. Yeah, mercurial. Uh, air is is wavery and and um, somewhat maybe absent or just just and sometimes can fly into a dangerous rage. You know, there's I, I don't know. Yeah, there's definitely and fire, of course, is just impulsive, but can also simmer or molder over long periods of time. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why we we go back to these four elements over and over again is because they're very applicable. But mm-hmm. we, I mean, we should wrap it up. Okay, I'm I'm ready to fucking wrap it up. You ready to wrap it up? Well, uh, I mean, before I do, I, I wanted to say kind of the thing I was interested in, but oh, you didn't ask, did you? Yeah, I didn't. I forgot. Well, I, I kind so of excited. I kind of jumped in the middle of it. I I mean, I went off about C.S. Lewis as Frank. I as I tend to. Frank. Yes. What did you find most interesting? Oh gosh, this Carter. lovely episode. Gee gosh, thanks for asking. Um, I think the thing that I am the most curious about is what does this imply for the Genasi? It's a good question. When they are made in the image of different elements, I'm just very curious to see the different sub races that are birthed as a result of that. But yeah, uh, Genasi basically like kind of like half genie people, half elementals. I'm curious what their soul looks like. Yeah, me too. I mean, do do all of them have it? Do some of them? Do some of them not? I don't know. But uh, I think those things will just have to wait for another day. We're starting to run long. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this uh, exploration to the lands of Sadar and the realms beyond, specifically Primordium, and perhaps fr- found some good material to add to your own stories. You can reach us at the Lore Keepers on Twitter, uh, you can uh, email us at lorekeeperspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on r slash worldbuilding. We typically submit something on Wednesdays. If you're curious to see where the discussion goes, you can check in there. You can also follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you, you listen to podcasts, like Spotify, or like Google's got that app. Google's got a podcast app. Oh, do they? That's the thing, yeah. I think they're getting away from Google Play being their podcast. But anyway, you like us? Give us a five-star rating. It helps us. It helps you. It helps everybody. makes everyone happy. Just do it. Uh, Even better, you can spread the word. You can tell others about us. You can tell your financial consultant, your architect friends. You can tell... Tell the milkman who comes to your uh, door. Ask them why they still come to your door. Ask them how they still have a job. But don't be mean about it. You know, just like, because you're curious, you want to make a friend, you know? Ask your postman. Yeah, ask your postman. Uh, Thanks to to Josh Silker for his composition of Land of Heroes, the Lord Keeper's theme. And thanks to you all for listening. Until next time, don't forget, there are always more tales to tell. Bye. Bye.